Emergency Medical Minute presents Pharmacy Friday, where emergency medicine clinical pharmacists join us to shed light on pharmacological topics. Hey listeners, it's Rachel Duncan, your emergency medicine clinical pharmacist, coming to you today with another round of our Pharmacy Friday Emergency Medical Minute podcast. Two weeks ago, we chatted a little bit about the new COVID mRNA vaccines, which was pretty fun to learn about these new and novel ways to get folks vaccinated. And I wanted to piggyback on that again this week. And this is actually based on a question that one of my colleagues got earlier this week. His name is Sean McCullough, and he is a very unique pharmacist in the sense that he has ID background, is board certified, but also is kind enough to cover and staff in our emergency department, which I'd just like to note is a very unique mix, and we are so thankful. But the question that Sean got was, hey, as these COVID vaccines start coming out, should pregnant healthcare workers be getting the COVID vaccine? And so he really did a deep dive into the literature and passed it along to me, probably because he knows that I am six months pregnant and a frontline healthcare worker. And so I was very appreciative and asked him, can I use this for my next podcast? And he was gracious enough to agree. So thank you, Sean. And it, it, but it really got my wheels turning about a lot of my pregnant healthcare workers. So when you think about in the emergency department, our various professions, I can think in my head of over a dozen different nurses, technicians, phlebotomists, providers, pharmacists, EVS workers, EMTs um, that are currently pregnant. And so that got me thinking, how, how common is it for some frontline healthcare workers to be pregnant? And so the closest thing that I could really find was a 2019 report put out by the National Women's Law Center that found the following. Most common occupations for pregnant workers are number one, elementary and middle school teachers, which was not surprising to me and definitely another population that we should probably be thinking about throughout this podcast. But number two was registered nurses. In fact, 3.6% of women in the occupation of being a registered nurse has given birth in the last year. And so that puts it into perspective there. Also on this top 10 list, although further down, were nursing, psychiatric, and home health aides. And I think we are all painfully aware of how rough some of our nursing homes have been hit with COVID. And we got to think about those pregnant workers in there that are on that front line. And then interestingly enough, one of the occupations with the most growth among pregnant workers is physician assistants. And so all of this is very applicable to us being on the front lines in the emergency department, having these COVID patients come in to us and just being at really high risk of exposure. What does that mean for pregnant healthcare workers and should they be receiving the vaccine? So Sean looked into this, and so he found that on Tuesday of this week, so the 8th of December, and i just like to note I am recording this on Wednesday the 9th, so if anything comes out between now and Friday uh, the 11th when this will be posted, I apologize, and we can certainly update it. But on Tuesday of this week, the FDA finally released their review of the Pfizer COVID vaccine, which they will formally and publicly review on Thursday. 
And this is really the first glimpse of an in-depth efficacy and safety data that we have regarding these new vaccines. And so Sean went through and did a search for keywords such as pregnancy and lactation and provided some really great results, which a lot of these I will be quoting verbatim. Um, so the first source that they looked that he looked at was really this FDA briefing document on that Pfizer vaccine. And so he looked at safety in certain subpopulations. And what he found was there are currently insufficient data to make conclusions about the safety of the vaccine in subpopulations such as children less than 16 years of age, pregnant and lactating individuals, and immunocompromised individuals. And they go on to say use in pregnancy and lactation and vaccine effectiveness are areas the sponsor identified as missing information. So not a lot of good information there, but when you looked under specifically pregnancies, um, there was a little bit more information. And what he found was that female study participants of childbearing potential were screened for pregnancy prior to each vaccination. Again, we're talking about the Pfizer vaccine here with a positive test resulting in exclusion or discontinuation from study vaccination. And so that's something that we're all pretty aware of. I think historically that we tend to exclude certain populations in these first round of studies and pregnancy historically has been one of them. But the study is collecting outcomes for all reported pregnancies that occur after vaccination or before vaccination and not detected by pre-vaccination screening tests. So 23 pregnancies were reported through the data cutoff date of November 14th of this year. 12 of those were in vaccine recipients and 11 were in placebos. Um, study vaccination occurred prior to the last menstrual period in five participants and within 30 days after last menstrual period in eight participants. And that was fairly evenly distributed between the vaccine and placebo groups. And then greater than 30 days after last menstrual period in one participant. So unsolicited adverse events related to pregnancy include spontaneous abortion and retained products of conception. And this occurred in two different patients, both in the placebo group. So they go on to kind of summarize pregnancy outcomes are basically unknown at this time. Obviously, 12 pregnant patients that, or be, that became pregnant um, that received the vaccine compared to 11 placebo is not enough to make any type of conclusion based off of it. They do go on to say that of note, the sponsor, which is Pfizer, will submit plans for a clinical study to assess safety and immunogenicity in pregnant women and has proposed active surveillance studies designed to monitor vaccination during pregnancy within populations expected to receive the vaccine under the upcoming emergency use authorization. So just to kind of summarize that in layman's terms, they essentially excluded all known pregnant patients from this study. As of the 14th of November, they have 12 participants that did become pregnant during the study and received the vaccine. Um, unfortunately, like I said, does not provide us with enough information currently. 
then went on to look at the CDC website. And so the CDC currently has the following statement on vaccination of pregnant and breastfeeding healthcare personnel available currently. Again, this changes daily, you guys. So I apologize if this becomes out of date before this is even aired. So this statement says, evidence suggests that pregnant women are potentially at increased risk for severe COVID-19 associated illness and death compared to non-pregnant women. And that is true. More evidence has emerged saying that women, pregnant women are more likely to be hospitalized, require oxygen supplementation, and possibly go on the ventilator and require a higher level of care in the ICU. So this all underscores the importance of disease prevention in this population, which is, is great to say, but I'm sure many of you listeners out there are really thinking about the environment of the emergency department and just saying, not always practical in every situation. They go on to say, given the predominance of women of childbearing potential among the healthcare workforce, a substantial number of healthcare personnel are estimated to be pregnant or breastfeeding at any given time. Duh, we got that. <laughs> um, currently, there are no data on the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines in these populations to inform vaccine recommendations. They do state at the end, further considerations around use of COVID-19 vaccines in pregnant or breastfeeding healthcare personnel will be provided once data from phase three clinical trials and the conditions of the FDA emergency use authorization are reviewed. And the good news is this information should start coming out pretty rapidly. So this really begs the question of, like I, we just mentioned, it should come out rapidly, but when exactly will the FDA review this information and start providing these condition-based recommendations for things like pregnancy? And so I'm next going to describe a projected timeline for the Pfizer vaccine review. And the only reason I'm not mentioning Moderna is that it's a little bit behind the progress of Pfizer. Um, hopefully we will get Moderna's study information in one to two weeks. However, just to note, Moderna also excluded pregnant and breastfeeding patients during enrollment of their studies. So some important dates, some have already happened, some will happen. Um, so Tuesday the 8th, the FDA publicly released a review of the Pfizer data. 53-page document, a lot of raw data. On the 10th, which is Thursday, the FDA Advisory Committee will meet again, and the purpose here will be to discuss the emergency use authorization of the Pfizer vaccine for the prevention of COVID-19 in individuals 16 years of age and older. So we'll see if there's any more specific information that comes out. And then the 11th, which is Friday, when this podcast will air, and then the 13th, the Advisory Committee of Immunization Practices, or ACIP meeting, will meet. And I believe this meeting will help produce the formal recommendations of who should receive the vaccine. I don't know that, that they will be ready to talk about pregnancy and lactation at that point due to the lack of data, but I'm hopeful something will be in there. So based on this projected timeline, hopefully we have some guidance coming out next week, but again, it's not going to be based on any type of new data. That data will be forthcoming over the next few months. I did want to go on and talk about a statement recently that came out from the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, and they take a little bit different stance than what the FDA is putting out right now. 
So they released this statement a couple of weeks ago. It says, despite the categorization of pregnancy as a high-risk condition for severe COVID-19, hospitalization, and mortality, pregnancy remains an exclusion for participation in vaccine trials. Um, They go on to say that the SMFM, along with other organizations, and they cite the National Academy of Medicine, have consistently advocated for the inclusion of pregnant and lactating women in vaccination trials. And they really note particularly when the following three criteria are met. So the first being pregnancy poses increased susceptibility to or severity of a disease. And so I think in this case, we can all agree that possibly it leads to greater severity of COVID-19. The second being the best approach to protect the infant is through passive placental antibody transfer, which provides the most efficient and direct protection to the newborn before an infant can be vaccinated. Again, we don't know a lot about this virus, but we think that COVID-19 could certainly fall underneath that category. And number three, there is an active outbreak, which is absolutely true right now. So I think that the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine really thinks that all three of these boxes have been checked. So ultimately, the existing practice of, quote, protection by exclusion, unquote, they believe is harmful and actually can be categorized as clinical experimentation on pregnant women, especially as vaccines are distributed and and administered without the safeguards of research protocols in place that included those women. So this is very interesting view for me to read about and become more aware of. I'm sure that if you had similar training to mine, you sort of go through those populations that you automatically exclude from every study, right? So kids, pregnant and lactating women, oftentimes above a certain age, super elderly, they're immunocompromised or have, you know, severe organ dysfunction, all these different things that might exclude patients from studies. And I think this is just a little bit of an, of a nudge to say, Hey, we got to do better. We got to be maybe more thoughtful about that. That might not be the right answer for every type of study. So they go on to really highlight the three vaccines that are demonstrating early efficacy. So we have AstraZeneca's AZD-1222, Moderna's mRNA-1273, and Pfizer's BNT-162B2. Now, they talk about how these vaccines employ novel next-generation platforms consisting of either vaccine expression from the nucleic acid construct, as in mRNA-based Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, which we talked about extensively in our last Pharmacy Friday Medical Minute, or in using a viral vector, which is what AstraZeneca vaccine is currently working on. Now, the use of a viral vector is similar to the mechanism used in the Ebola vaccine, which is the only regulated vaccine using these next-generation platforms that is currently on the market. So they go on to note that the Ebola vaccine has been administered in pregnancy and thus far has an acceptable safety profile. So that appears promising for the AstraZeneca vaccine when it comes out. And just to note, it is behind the two other vaccines, the Pfizer Moderna. mRNA vaccines, which are likely now to be the first vaccines available, the two I just listed, do not contain a live virus, but rather induce hemorrhoid and cellular immune response through the use of viral mRNA. Again, this seems promising for pregnant women as we typically try to avoid live vaccines in pregnancy. If you remember when the flu vaccine became available a few years back in that intranasal live vaccine, 
pregnant women could not get that. They still had to get the shot because that was not live. And so again, just gives us some reassurance. Maybe these might be okay in pregnant women. So the SMFM recommends that healthcare workers who are considered prioritized for vaccination be offered the vaccine if pregnant. That's just currently, that could change at any moment. But current COVID-19 vaccine allocation recommendations do state the high-risk workers in healthcare facilities, such as those of you I'm talking to that are working in the emergency department or first responders, such as our EMT colleagues, should be among the first to receive the vaccine. So although pregnant women are not explicitly targeted or mentioned in this framework, Pregnant and lactating women who are otherwise eligible should be offered the vaccine. And they want to say that she and her healthcare professional should engage in, of course, the buzzword shared decision-making regarding her receipt of the vaccine. Counseling should balance available data, which changes all the time, on the vaccine safety, the risks to pregnant women from COVID infection, which are known, and then a woman's individual risk for infection and severe disease. I think that's really the kicker. I don't have a strong recommendation in this podcast of if you are a pregnant healthcare worker, you should absolutely or absolutely not get these new vaccines coming out. I think you have to really focus on that last piece, a woman's individual risk for infection and severe disease. Is that risk greater than the possible harm and side effects that COVID vaccine could introduce? to you and your baby. And that's really where that conversation has to happen. As more data emerge, counseling will likely shift as some vaccines may be more suitable for pregnant women. So other vaccines that use conventional technologies for which there are known data for use in pregnancy, such as using technology similar to our current seasonal flu vaccines, unfortunately remain in phase one and two trials. So they're going to be months behind these newer ones coming out. But just something to think about if you're pregnant and deciding, should I go ahead and get this or not? Lastly, in addition to checking CDC, FDA, and ACIP websites for up dated information. I also recommend looking at American College of Obstetricians, gynecologist or ACOG, as they also have some great resources as well. And then, as I mentioned before, the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine. And I'm going to go ahead and make sure that a lot of these resources are posted in this podcast so that you can go do your own research and sit down with your OB provider and have that conversation of what is my current day-to-day risk as I work in the emergency emergency department? What is the risk to to me and to my baby of getting COVID-19 and becoming seriously ill versus how confident do we feel that the current vaccines coming out are not harmful? And so I would encourage you to have that conversation. Or if you know a coworker that is pregnant that might benefit from these resources, please go ahead and pass them along. Uh, Thanks for listening today. As I mentioned, this could all be outdated information as of tomorrow. (laughs) But as of right now, this should be the most up-to-date information out there on the potential use of COVID-19 new vaccines and whether or not they would be appropriate for frontline healthcare workers who are pregnant or lactating to receive. Um, Go online, check out those resources I mentioned, and I will talk to you next time for our Pharmacy Friday Emergency Medical Minute. Thanks, guys. Hello, EMM listeners. We are dedicated to providing you with high-quality educational content free of charge and without ads. As a nonprofit organization, 
We rely solely on donations. So if you enjoy our show and are able to make a one-time or recurring donation to help cover our operational costs, any amount is helpful in making this show possible. Click the link in our show notes to make a donation. Thank you.